want to say hello and welcome to all of those that are here for Easter at Emmanuel. We're excited. God's doing great things, and uh, he's not done yet. There's still more to come. On this day, we commemorate all that Jesus did. Of course, he did amazing things on the cross. And the ultimate moment of all of history was when Jesus went to the cross. For it was in that place that he took his, our sins on himself, took the penalty of our sin on himself. And through his death, of course, on Friday, Good Friday, we commemorate that moment. But he didn't stay dead, he rose. And so that story is talked about throughout all of Scripture in Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13, it says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He took our sin and he nailed it to the cross. But how many know Friday's over and Sunday was on its way? And as Sunday come, came... Jesus went to work again. Everybody said Jesus went to work. In Luke chapter 24, verse 1, it says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is what? Alive. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. He is risen, he is resurrected from the dead. Throughout the world today, people are commemorating Jesus' resurrection in every dialect, every language, every age category. Geographically around the world, believers are celebrating that Jesus was resurrected from the dead because in his resurrection, it provides hope for everyone in any stage of life, at any moment of your journey. And we can celebrate not only what he did, but we can celebrate because Jesus did more than just res be resurrected. He also is in the business of resurrecting others. In fact, he says this in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. See, it wasn't just something Jesus did, it was something Jesus is. He is the resurrection. He is the one that provides hope for those that have lost their hope. He takes dead things and makes them alive. He provides eternal hope for everyone who will believe in him. He is the resurrection. But listen, he's not just the resurrection, he is also the life, he said. And that word life is the word Zoe, which is the condition of life, the status of life. So, so let me ask you a question today. What is the status of your life? What is the condition of your life? Are you doing well? What's the state of your family, of your marriage, of your life, your friendships? Is it in a healthy place? 
Are you finding life? Well, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Has the air gone out of your balloon? Has the get up and go got up and went? Is there a sense of something that was lost? It's amazing when we look at little kids and the amount of life that they have. I stood both before both morning services today and I observed as families were bringing their kids in. And, and by the way, all of you moms and some of you dads that took extra time getting your kids ready today, you've already put in a full day of work, haven't you? I mean, it's just serious hard work. And then I watched as parents were like, just hoping that the kids could make it from the car into the church without finding mud or something like that. And these kids, these kids have so much energy, so much joy, but how is it that we lose that as we age? Things happen to us, life experiences take the status of life out of us, the Zoe. It's like sucked out of us. And for Jesus, he is wanting to bring us to our home place. See, for him, leaving life is like leaving home. You're moving away from who you were designed to be. Home is your safe place, the place where you are the real you, the best you, the person you were meant to be. Today, when you came into our service, you were handed a little house on a keychain. Why don't you get those out? Some of you are like, oh, shoot, I should have grabbed one of those. Now, you don't have to, this is a token that we'd love for you to take with you. You don't have to have it on your, on your keys, but maybe put it somewhere to remind you today that all of us have the opportunity to find a home. And for Jesus, a home is like a home on a computer, going back to the essentials, the place from which you find access to everything else. And for him, his desire was is that we would find home, that we could have a homecoming. See, you can have a homecoming through Jesus that restores the best you, the love that was lost, the hope that you once had. You can have a homecoming. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can have a homecoming. <laughs> but the truth is, when people are away from their home, they're not you. They're like you without a Snickers bar. It's <laughs> a little commercial reference there. Something's out of place, something's missing. And Jesus has a heart for people who have lost their Zoe, their life. His desire is for people to come home to him, the resurrection and the life. And Jesus' resurrection brings lost things and lost people home. In Luke chapter 15, we find a series of three stories that Jesus told. Jesus talked about lost things. He talked about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then he talks about the lost son. And in this story about the lost son, one of them uh, is about, what the story is about is one son of a father who left home. There's two sons in this story. One stayed and one left. The one who left took everything with him, his inheritance, and he just went out and he spent it all. He squandered it. In fact, he reached a point in his story where he had spent everything and he had nothing left and no food and he began to work amongst the pigs in the mud and he was eating their food. He had nothing. He was at the bottom, at the end of his rope. And you know, I find that when people leave home, 
They do it for many different reasons. Some people do it for pride and they just want to go have fun like the lost son in Luke chapter 15. But sometimes it's just a life experience kind of thing. One thing leads to another. You know, something happened to us and somebody hurt us and we pushed away from things that were valuable and true. We find ourselves running away from things because of the pain. Other people, they just make bad decisions and those bad decisions turn into horrible results. And the house we live in now, in our heart, the condition of our life is not in a good place. People leave home for many different reasons. We may think that no one sees us when we're in the pig's mud, when we're away from home. We might think we're forgotten or overlooked or stuck. But I want you to know that Jesus tells a story about the lost son because he wants us to know he cares about them. He's not just concerned with everybody living right right, and having a perfect life in the perfect house, but he cares about those who are away. He cares about those who have somehow wandered away. And on Easter Sunday morning, we have the opportunity to hear the heartbeat of Jesus, the resurrection, who wants to bring resurrection life to the people who are away from him and away from home. Today, I want to share with you stories of real people in our church who Jesus has made a profound difference in their life. Each one was like the lost son in Jesus' story. They found themselves in a place where they didn't want to be, with a desire to go home. Some of their pain was the result of their own decisions, and some had bad things happen to them. But each of them have a moment like the one that the lost son has in Jesus' story. The lost son had been gone so long when it says in verse 17, of Luke, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. So he had that moment where he came to his senses, and he desired to go home. Perhaps you're successful in your career, and everything looks good on the outside, We have a couple, a story of a couple who both own businesses and are very successful in most people's eyes, but both of them had major challenges facing them in their marriage. And I have found this to be true. Just going to church doesn't make you full of life. In fact, the world might critique those who are church attenders, who observe, if if you're looking at those who are attending church, you're observing them and you're thinking, they don't have any more life than I do. So life doesn't come from just attending church. It comes from Jesus, the resurrection and the life, and living it out in real life circumstances. You see, once you come to faith, there's also a part of the story where you make mistakes and somewhere you can get off the road. And just because you did confirmation when you were in middle school or you went through religious education classes did not make you stable for the entirety of your life. You need regular connection with God in real time to help you through wherever you are and whatever you're going through. Both of the individuals in this couple, both of them had major challenges facing their marriage. Charlie thought that he could do it on his own, but he made a decision to do some things that jeopardized the marriage and their family. It hurt others. And Deborah had been carrying pain from her childhood that played out in their marriage, pushing her to contemplate quitting when bad things happened. 
Both of them had to make a decision to come to their senses and go back to their father for help. Let's watch their story. My name is Charlie Walker. Uh, we've been married for almost 10 years, and this is my wife, Deborah Walker. Where it started, you know, ultimately, we were both entrepreneurs. We had um, small companies, and we got married, and um, we already had Caleb. You know, ultimately, coming into marriage, I didn't really have a, a good model to see what that was like. I didn't really have a, um, a model to, you know, what is this father supposed to be? What is a husband supposed to be? How does this marriage thing, what is it supposed to, you know, look like? And that's, that was a learning experience for me because uh, there were some times where here, I'm young, I'm seeing God is there, he's blessing our family, he's blessing our business. And pretty soon I started thinking, oh gosh, I got this, I, I got all the answers. You know, when that pride was there, I had been susceptible and I ended up backsliding. Ultimately, um, I had done some things that really had hurt our family. I was also raised in a home with um, my mom and my two sisters. When my dad left, I was only four, but as I grew older, I saw the incredible impact that it had on my mom and on my sister, who was eight when he left. And I realized that as a little girl, I decided, okay, I can make this right, and I'm gonna make it right. And I'm gonna prove that I'm valuable and prove that I'm worthy, even though deep down inside, I didn't feel it. In a way, I realized that I was also putting my worth on our marriage, and I was really letting Charlie define my worth. And so when he, as a man, had this um, sin that he was dealing with his own life, um, it was causing me to really question, am I worthy, am I worth it, am I good enough? And a lot of those lies that I had tucked away as a little girl when my dad left, we're coming to the surface again. I don't know if there were defining moments as a, it, there were times when I'm like, okay, we have made progress here. And I remember one day just crying to just one amazing lady in the church who helped walk us through that. And she just said, Deborah, I really believe that the Lord wants to teach your generation how to endure. Because there were times that I just really felt like giving up. And, and I said, I can do that. I can endure. God has healed my heart. And he has taken away, you know, I, I had anxiety for so long and never realized what, I never put a name to it. Mm -hmm. And insecurity that was causing me to put pressure on him. And um, this sense of just never being good enough that just was like this daunting, undercurrent of all that I did and and through this the Lord just healed that and he just like put his finger on my heart and I just feel like he just washed away those insecurities and and fear is really where the anxiety would come from you know I've really learned um, more of my calling yeah and uh, and God has shown me um, what it is to actually be a man. And you know, what uh, he's given me an inner strength now 
that's a true inner strength and he's uh, given me answers and um, you know of what it is to be a man what it is to be a father and how that how to play that out and now I joined forces with God to, to tell me that I'm just so grateful and I'm so amazed at the homecoming that He's given us how He's healed me individually. He's healed Him individually. He's, he's creating a, just a divine purpose and a calling in our hearts. And I, I know that this is amazing and I can't imagine what homecoming in heaven is gonna be like. resurrection and the life power of Jesus is available not just for a salvation moment but for our entire lifetime because the truth is we get into trouble things change and Jesus is available for you right now and he can bring life everybody said life he can bring life to places where we've lost our life he can restore and let things bloom again and then give us the joy that only he can give us. But Jesus' story about the lost son doesn't end with his decision, the son, to return home. Jesus paints a beautiful picture of another moment. And it was the moment when he decided to go back. And as he's walking towards his father's house, he's got a script running through his head. This is what I'll say when I see him. And I know I've messed it up. I know I'm not good enough. I'll just be one of your workers. I'll just work on the farm, if you will. I'll, I'll just be a slave. I'll be somebody that's not even a part of the family, but I just need to be able to eat. And he's thinking through all of these things. And as he's walking back, he's got shame. He's got regret. He remembers where he was. And as that son is going back to the farm, if you will, there's a beautiful picture of the father. And the father runs to him. He doesn't just see him in the distance and walk away, but he runs to him. In verse 20, it says, And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Not one that is common in our generation. Many in our generation, if somebody does us wrong, we love to make them go through torture before we let them back in. Or if we let them in at all. We write them off. We, we blacklist them, if you will. Or we put them on, on uh, notice that they can't be in our friend group anymore. And there's something about this father picture that he moves beyond that. He's the type of father that says, I love you. And he runs towards his son. This generation hasn't known unconditional love. Parents abandon their kids. Bad decision-making can hurt marriages and kids and lives. And many feel that their past mistakes remove them from the family. Gone so far away from home that you don't know if you belong anymore. But Jesus shows us that when you turn around and the Father runs to you, he embraces you and lovingly wants you to have good things. I know that on a Sunday like this, that there are many under the sound of my voice that in years beyond, gone by, prior time periods of your life, you've had moments where you experience God. 
But for whatever reason, life has led you away. And now you come into a church and you even feel comfortable, uncomfortable in a church. Because you look around and you think everybody around you has got it together. But let me tell you something, ain't nobody got it all together here. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not perfect. <laughs> you know, it's a funny moment because I just saw a bunch of people respond with, I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Not perfect. But here's what we need to understand. Sometimes there's a lie in our head that says the Father doesn't want me. I'm damaged goods. I've gone too far. I've run away. And you need to know that he runs toward you. That he loves you and he hasn't forgotten you. That he believes in you. Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. That even when we haven't had the earthly support, God the Father runs toward us. Liliana is a teenager in our youth ministry who has faced some tough stuff in her life. She's felt alone. They've been homeless at times, and she's watched her family go through pain. And yet, she went to our youth ministry winter camp called Avalanche, and discovered that God was running to her, embracing her, and giving her hope for her future. Let's watch Liliana's story. My name is Liliana. I'm in eighth grade and I go to Westwood Middle School. I've been coming to Emmanuel my whole life. When I was like younger, my dad would like abuse my mom and my brother. He'd like come home drunk and he'd just like out of nowhere start hitting my mom and my brother. At one point, we'd like, we'd like stay with my dad for like on the weekends and then we'd go back to my mom's. But then like we stopped doing that and like I haven't seen my dad since like a long time because he's in jail. I felt like my life was easier without him. But then later on it ended up getting harder because I didn't have like another parent there with me. This past year, me and my mom and my brother and my sister, we were like homeless for like a couple months. And we were staying with my aunt because my mom had troubles with my sister's dad. And then um, my brother that I'm really close with, he ended up getting diagnosed with depression. So my life was kind of hard there because like, like during the whole summer, like, um, oh, sorry. Um, like I really couldn't do anything over the summer because I like every day I like had to go see my brother like in hospitals because he tried to commit suicide. He'd come home and like they'd fight and like the cops would come to our house like almost every day. He didn't go to school. And then he finally ended up going to this treatment where he is now. Only get to see him once a week. I don't have anybody to come to. Like I just come home and like I sit by myself. And then like, I just like to walk in my brother's room sometimes when I'm like, when I feel alone or when I'm bored. At Avalanche, I like, I had the attitude like I didn't want to go like at all, but then Ashley ended up signing me up and like already paid for me and never even told me. I got there and I just kept telling her like I wanted to go home. But we were worshiping and God told me that um, he wanted me to go home and like, be somebody in my family. 
most people in my family like go to church, but they like really don't change. They just like go to church, be like, and just tell people that they go to church. But he made me realize that I could be somebody in life and that I could like actually make a change in my family, like do something with my life. Like if I could like just like go around and tell people my story, Maybe like become a pastor, maybe. Growing up, like I just came to church just because my mom brought us to church and like, I just like wanted to see my friends. But then like, like when I like, like all the camps that I've been to, like God's like spoken to me, but I like never really put in the effort to like actually change. But then like this avalanche that we just went to has just changed my whole life. My life before was harder and now it's easier. Like the road is just getting, it's becoming smooth. Emmanuel to me is like a home, like a home like I never dreamed I'd like know about. Like you can like come to church and like you can cry out to God, tell him what you've done. Like just give your whole life to him and pour out to him. I love her story because her story isn't just finding a home, it's finding a purpose. That she has a purpose and value. And the truth is when we come home, when we're right with the Lord, we're in connection with the Father. He doesn't just let us back and we're in second tier status. But he invites us all the way in. In fact, if you look at the story that Jesus told in Luke 15 about the lost son, it says this, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to what? To life. He was lost, but now is, he is found. So the party began. I love that. The party began. Now I want you to catch something. The father restored his son to his original status. When they came back, it wasn't like, now you need to go through 10 years of hard service until I let you in again. And you can eat at the adult table instead of the kiddie table. No, he, what he did is he gave him a ring and a robe, family symbols that you're now back in. You are a part. Friends, I want you to know, no matter where you are and where you're coming from, when you come home to the Father, it's not like you've got to do 10 years of service because of all the bad things you did. But if you come to him, he makes you new, and you have a fresh start, you are on original status, if you will. Now you have an opportunity to do and be who Jesus has designed you to be. You can be whole. And you don't have to beat yourself up for all the things you have done. What you need to do is turn and begin to follow all the good things that he has for you in your future. Can I get an amen? That's the promise of Jesus. Now, there's one little side note to the story, which was actually the original reason Jesus told the story. For he talked about the older son, the son who stayed in the house. 
Jesus was speaking to a group of religious people who were Pharisees. They were people who had done everything right. But for some reason, all that time in their home, they didn't get the father's heart. And this older brother began to grumble and complain and was angry that this lost son who had come home and was now found and there was a party being thrown was happening and they didn't feel justified. They didn't feel like they were getting treated equally. I've done everything right. And now you're, you're giving him a party? What about me? And that older brother is the religious types that look at others and they look down at them and they see what they have done and they take great pride in how they've done everything right and done nothing wrong. And Jesus was telling the story and he was essentially saying to the older brother in the crowd, you need to get the father's heart back. You need to understand how the father sees things because the father is excited. They're no longer outside, they're back home. And I want to just say this to you as a church, for those of you that attend church, maybe you're a part of church, being a part of church is not life. You need to have the Father's heart in you if you're a part of church. You need to cheer on the younger brother when they come home, not tell them how how bad they were and make them jump through hoops. You need to have the Father's heart to those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And let me just say that because, because when they come, they need encouragement, not cynicism. They don't need to be told that they have to be exactly like you. It took a lot of years to get to be like you, and some of them, they, we really don't want them to be just like you. <laughs> they're coming back, and they're finding faith, and they're finding their place in the family, and we need to join them. And by the way, the older brother missed out on the party because of his heart. You'll miss out on the current move of God in our church if you have an older brother heart. Let's all be like the Father. Can I get an amen? The love of God can soften the hard heart that took years to become who we weren't meant to be. He can help us have hope again, to dream again. He can begin to put the broken pieces back together again as his resurrection power and life comes into our soul. I want you to see the power of the love of God as it's seen in a family. See, there's a story of Jared and Tina that is powerful. Tina had never attended a church and was lost. And Jared had grown up in a church but experienced hurt in his family, hurt from people that others thought was a godly church family. And Jesus' resurrection power is bringing a special homecoming to the Poulter family. Check out their story. So my name is Jared Poulter. My name is Christina Poulter. So we have been together nine years. Uh, We have two little girls, five and seven, Sydney and Madison. I grew up in a Christian household, so we experienced, you know, God growing up. Um, I endured a lot of abuse, uh, verbally, mentally, physically growing up. I started to use drugs at the age of 15, uh, basically to cope with the shame and the hurt that was going on in my life. I continued to use drugs for 21 years. For me, like you said, you know, I was living in a drug house, but even before that, it stemmed from um, being molested by my brother and um, my parents not believing me. 
And so at the age of 14, I started to use cocaine and marijuana, alcohol, opium, acid, you name it, I did it. We both did a lot of drugs together. Um, that's how we first met, um, just the drug use. Uh, same friends using, using drugs. We soon had one child right away um, within the first year. I continued to do drugs. Um, she stopped because of the pregnancies. Um, we soon had another child a uh, year and a half later. And I, I continued to do drugs and she continued not to. I mean, basically, <clears throat> we were at a point in our life, in our relationship, where we were unmarried and me continuing to do drugs took a toll on my family. You know, I wasn't paying attention to them. I was chasing that high. Our kids were attending Emmanuel with um, Jared's sister-in-law goes there. And they would come home and be like, Mommy and Daddy, we want you to come. And so that's kind of, okay, we'll go. You know, we didn't really want to. I had never been to church my whole life. And it's funny how my four-year-old came home and witnessed to me. And it's weird how God works in such mysterious ways because he actually put that there for me to hear because it, it, I had conviction on my heart that I'm not bringing them to the church and I'm letting other people bring it. So that's when we decided to attend church. I went home and gathered all my drugs together and flushed them right down the toilet. Um, that was the last time I used drugs. I've been sober for 27 months and that's the day that I accepted Jesus in my heart. We honestly can say that if we did not attend church, we would not be together. And God has restored our marriage, our relationship, um, our relationship with our children. And that's a significant difference than before when we were both kind of miserable, both basically kind of agreed that we're gonna stick it out for our children you know, and just be unhappy. But Jesus just transformed everything and turned it around right in front of our eyes and made our life happy, mm -hmm. worth living. I just, there's a, there's a major difference just with our relationship, um, how we can sit down and talk. Um, you know, we've been married and marriages aren't perfect. You know, we have our struggles. We, our kids get to us, you know, it builds up the tension in the house. But the thing that we do, and I notice that she does, is we stop and we rely on Jesus and we put him at the center of our marriage and our whole life. You know, I, I forgive my mother for how she brought me up and I forgive my brother who's in prison right now um, for what he did to me. Um, I have a lot of hatred, but I'm, I've learned to let that go. Um, I just keep praying for him. Um, but I feel at home now, I feel like I have, I'm happy, very happy. My homecoming is coming back to church. Growing up in a church, you know, and being angry with God, um, the drug abuse, um, my homecoming is truly coming back. Um, listening to him, call me back, and finally accepting what he wants me to do in my life. Today, the resurrection and the life power of Jesus was sent to provide homecomings for people of every type of story. And I don't know your personal story, but I know this, 
Jesus can make your way back home. He can help you. So you gotta come to your senses like the lost son. Remember Jesus told that story. He's waiting for us to come to our senses, to turn back to home, to say, I've had it. I don't wanna stay where I am any longer. I wanna turn back home. And if you've been listening today, and perhaps you've been feeling the tug on your heart, you've seen the stories, but you know in your heart that today is a pivotal moment for you, that you need to turn. You need to turn and go back home. You need to come to faith in Jesus, or you need to get your marriage in the right direction. You need to pause and put your heart back in the right place. It's time for you to come home. And I want you to hear Jesus saying it to you, the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave, who speaks back to us and he says, you can be one who once was lost, but now is found.